Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Potluck Food Talks. Today we're going to make our, our first micro episode of a mini series called The Line. And this has uh, a few reasons. The line is at the same time the hotline in a kitchen, where, which is where most things happen in a, in a professional kitchen. Also, the line means crossing the line, and it could have also other secret meanings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the line, I mean, you know, sort of like, it's where everything goes down, no? It's where everything really, really happens. It's, it's where you are stuck in the deep end. Yeah, and, I, and it's a, a place where a lot of pressure happens. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot why kitchens are so aggressive, why, why the tone is so military sometimes. And the, the reason is quite simple. Like uh, during a service, there are like 300 deadlines. And if one deadline is not accomplished on time, all the others are affected and people get really aggressive about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's really what makes cooking such a stressful job. I mean, in the environments that we've worked in, no, it's that you're constantly chasing behind uh, behind a deadline. And it not just like one, but like another and another and another and another, you know, from morning getting ready. And then it's sort of like, and then the tempo just kind of gets increased. And then the deadlines just kind of multiply. Yeah, especially <clears throat> during service. I mean, uh, if... Uh... A table is waiting and you want to deliver quality. I mean, chefs that are passionate get really crazy about it. But there is a line that sometimes get crossed. And it's really shocking uh, for people that, that don't never worked in a restaurant. The first time you go into a restaurant and you start seeing all this stuff happening, the bullying, the abuses, uh, and sometimes sadistic behaviors that go way beyond the line. Uh, so, and that's what, what we want to talk about in this, uh, mini series. So could you tell us, Phil, uh, your experience, one of, or how you started, which was the first restaurant or, or the first place where, where you started to see this kind of things? When I started cooking, I was very young and I straight away kind of threw myself into the deep end. I straight away went to the, the best restaurant in the city that I was living in, which at that time was a, a two Michelin star French restaurant um, with a very famous chef, which we'll, um, for full disclosure, we'll call Klaus. And he was notorious for being a very tough person to work for. And um, I kind of just sort of like, I mean, you know, just showed up for a couple of weeks until they sort of admitted me as, um, as the kitchen apprentice. And um, he really was a tyrant. I mean, he he really just did what, whatever whatever the fuck he wanted um, whenever he was there. Um, he was a big TV personality and nowadays even more so. And even back then, he was a, a big celebrity chef. And so he would, you know, this is the thing that you see with all these kitchen stories. It's like a kitchen is kind of like a little microcosm that kind of feels like it's separate from the rest of the world. and. The things that happen in that microcosm kind of stay in there. And it's kind of a reality where things that normally wouldn't be accepted are suddenly okay. Um, and this guy just completely lived out this, this fantasy and like his, his complexes. And um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was a really, really good chef, but he did really, really awful things. I mean, I remember that 
my first real experience with him is that sort of like, you know, sometimes he would call you up. He would call you up on the phone because it was part of a big five-star hotel. And uh, somebody would say, Klaus is calling you. And so you would, you know, put your things down. You would run up the stairs. You would go into his office and you'd be like, uh, chef, what can I do for you? And you'd be like, make me a double espresso. And you'd be like, okay, cool, fine. So you'd run down, you'd go to the coffee machine, you'd make him a double espresso. And then the people would already warn you. So it's okay, okay, make sure you bring him two pieces of brown sugar because he wants the, the brown sugar and make sure you bring him a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, all right. And I was obviously in a rush because, you know, like I was fully, you know, it was my first time in the kitchen and I was so fully involved with like what was going on. So I was rushing all the time to try to keep up. And so I go to his office and I put down his coffee with the sugar and I turn around to leave and he's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? And I, I turn around and I was sort of like, oh, I was just going to go back to work. And he looks at this cup of espresso and looks at me and he's like, can you tell me what's wrong with this? And I was like, no, I have no idea. And he looks at it and like just moves the handle. And he was like, when you put down a cup of espresso, the handle should be at a 45 degree angle to the edge of the table. And I looked at him and I was like, okay. And he just completely flew off the handle and started shouting at me for about 40 minutes. Just how, what a fucking idiot I am for not knowing this. How is it that I was allowed to work in his restaurant? It's sort of like, you fucking idiot. Um, do you have any sense of hospitality? Have you ever, do you ever think about what you do? You just come into my office, you put down this cup. You don't even fucking think about what you're doing. It's completely freaked out. That was my first encounter with him. And it was, it was very uncomfortable, obviously, but like at the same time, still to this day, I, I developed this habit that like, if I order like an espresso, even at a restaurant, I, I automatically move the handle to like a 45 degree angle. Not because I like, not because I, I'm like, oh, that was such a valuable lesson because I really admire that guy. But somehow it kind of stuck and I, I kind of like um, do this and I developed this habit. There, there, there are many, many examples like that, stuff that you learn, like not, not even the hard way, but like, like the asshole way. And then you, you learn like a way of doing something and you never do it otherwise, I guess. This is, among many others, part of the reasons why chefs behave like that. I would say another reason is because, uh, I mean, if you could be a, a quantum physicist, uh, you wouldn't be in a kitchen. So the uh, kitchen uh, is mostly a place for illiterates, gangsters, people with, <laughs> with some, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some crimes behind whatever, like street people, they, you, you, not people that will give you like, like a peaceful, valuable lesson, like, like a Buddhist monk or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is true. And I mean, this is a very sort of old school mentality. I mean, a lot of people won't know that kitchen structures are, are based on, on military structures and um, that a lot of the behavior comes from a very sort of military mindset and that it, it's not so long ago that um, and I mean, still today, I mean, there's still like very recent stories of restaurants closing because of, of these sorts of allegations. But anyway, that was my first encounter with him. Um, but he, I feel like every time he wasn't in the restaurant a lot, 
But I feel like every time he came, he would just live out this cruel fantasy of his. And uh, because it was a hotel and a pretty big restaurant, there were quite a lot of apprentices. And um, they were part of, you know, part of the group of people that he would pick on. So I remember, for example, again, the phone would ring, you'd pick up and it's like, oh, Klaus is calling. Okay, so it's like, yeah, round everybody up. So you take the like five, six apprentices and everybody would come up. So he'd be like, all right, I've, I've made something for you all. Come and try it. And he'd dish it out. And it was like uh, something in a sort of like yellow cream saffron sauce. Um, and uh, as the first of us started to try it, it became apparent that what he had done was collect the fish guts from the fish getting cleaned that day. And then have the genius idea of cooking them in, in a creamy saffron sauce and making the apprentices eat it. <laughs> what yeah. an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And like for, for no apparent reason, you know, just just because he was like that. But then again, I also one time saw him inspect the, the mise en place containers with uh, chopped herbs. And uh, there was a container with very, very finely cut chives. And he would go through them with a, with a silver teaspoon. And normally, when the sous chefs were doing it, if they found a piece that was longer than the rest, they would throw the whole thing away and tell you to make it again, which is, you know, unnecessary in itself because you could just pick it out and whatever, no, but they were making a point. But at one point I saw him checking the section and it was also somebody in his like sort of last year of apprenticeship. So he was already cooking, you know, in the restaurant, and managing a section, etc., together with the chef, the party. And, um, he was like, show me, show me your chives. He starts looking through it, picks out this like longer piece, puts it down. He's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what the fuck is this? And the guy just looks at it. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, chef. I'll go through it. And he was like, eat it. And the guy looks at him. He's like, what? He's like, you fucking eat it. <laughs> and so he made this guy <laughs> this like, I mean, I, I don't know how much is it in like a, uh, nine nine pan container you know it's sort of like full of cut chives i mean and the guy was just like standing there with a spoon just spooning this these chives <laughs> in his mouth um and made him eat the, the whole fucking container they they did that to me once the, the stories of eat it i remember once like a chef the party came, came to me and said eat it and i was like what the fuck <laughs> and he and the, and I, I started doing like, like something else, and then he came back. No, no, no! I want you to. I want to see you eating it. And I was like, No way! I'm eating anything. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know. But but at the same time, I think, what's going on in your head that you want to see me eating this? You know. It was like I don't know, like like some cakes or something like that. Yeah, it's super sick. It's like. Um... I've seen it happen a few times, actually, where like something's happening. Somebody overcooked a scallop, right? And like you know, you sent the scallop to the pass, and the guy, like um, whoever's on the pass, chef or whatever, you know, checks it and it's overcooked. It's like it's overcooked, it's fucking overcooked. And then you're like, oh, you know, you fire a new one, and then he turns around, he's like, eat it, fucking eat it, you know. Bullshit comments like, um, oh, the scallop died in vain, you know. I've seen it a couple of times. It's it's this asserting your dominance over somebody. What also pisses me off is this kind of chefs, and I've seen this way too many times. You know, they, they behave like this with their own team. And then, like, of course, like uh, a reporter or a guest comes in the kitchen 
and they're this super friendly family guy, you know, like that. Ah, I hate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, and and you know, it, for such a long time, it was the most normal thing. You know, when when I started cooking around the time when we met each other, that's all I knew. Like that's that's what kitchens were like for me. You know, kitchens where the chef and owner was proud that people would only stay for three or four months because it was so tough and they would leave. Yeah, and, and actually when you go to these places, you should know that it, it is like that. Otherwise, you, you will have a really hard time. You know, you, you should be like prepared to undergo like some crazy shit because uh, that's in ma many of these places. But, but at least I would prepare myself psychologically before starting to work in this kind of places. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's kind of like you, you think that's like the in these places there, you know, they have the highest accolades. They have Michelin stars, they're in the lists, they have Gomeo points if you're in Europe, you know, um, all that sort of stuff. So you kind of go in and you think that this is this is it. It has to be like this in order to get there. But then afterwards, you see places that have just as many accolades, but that keep their staff for like five, six years. Easy. And I mean, what an asset to keep somebody for that long time, you know, and that is much more difficult than just burning through your chefs. And th those are the places that I really respect, you know, because that is really uh, something productive. That's something that where you create and you build something, you know, it's productive instead of destructive. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Do you have any more stories about Klaus? Yeah, I have one more. I remember one time it, it got really uncomfortable. I actually have two more, two quick ones. Um, one time it got really uncomfortable in the kitchen because one of our apprentices, she was a, she was one of the few women in the kitchen at the time. And she was, she was a very tough girl. She was in her last year of her apprenticeship and everybody really liked her. She has a lot of character, a lot of, a lot of fire, um, really tough sort of ginger girl, really feisty. And um, I remember one day she came in and she wasn't feeling very well, but she still came in and she was like, we were doing this big sort of banquet or something. And Klaus went to her and he he was sort of like, hey, I, I made you, I, I saved you a creme brulee. And, um, and she was like, oh, chef, yeah, thank you, but um, I'm not feeling too well today. I, I don't really want to eat anything. And he got very upset with her and he said how are you going to work in my kitchen if you don't try the things that you serve and so she kind of got bullied into eating this creme brulee and she took one spoon and immediately she just kind of went white and disappeared into the bathroom to throw up because what he had done is he had taken a plate and put in mayonnaise and <laughs> spatulated it uh, flat covered it with sugar and brulee it as a as a joke you know but Man. actually the team it was it was a really uncomfortable moment in the kitchen because everybody really liked this girl she was super hard working she was like you know part of the team and there's always this like gap between the kitchen team and the head chef especially when it's like a celebrity chef who's never there all right it's like either you're part of the team you're there you're cooking you're going through fire you're cleaning down together or you are something separate right and everybody was kind of like what you just did was really fucked up yeah it is And then there was one time uh, also, which was also just as uncomfortable. This guy, Klaus, he used to get some dodgy people in sometimes. And I remember this one chef de party was on the grill section. He was this like super burly Russian guy, 
fully tattooed, very tough guy. And um, Klaus, he had the habit of standing at the pass and inspecting people plating. The pass was this huge marble pass um, with heat lamps straight over, sort of like bar heat lamps uh, straight over the pass. Very beautiful pass, but the heat lamps are very, very close to the marble surface. So you were plating underneath these heat lamps. And if you were doing something wrong, you would reach in and like lift your hand up so it would touch the heat lamp, so you would burn your hand, which is really shitty in itself. But then like this, uh, this Russian guy started and I remember like he... He did something wrong and to like grab this hand to like put it against the. Sorry, did I just say his name? Yeah, yeah. you did. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Klaus, this uh, this Russian guy, he he made a mistake and Klaus reached in to grab his hand and put it up, and this guy immediately ripped his hand away and just squared off. And this guy who was used to like just rain terror in his kitchen, just like immediately was thrown out of his like weird, bizarre reality of where he's the God. And it's sort of like, all right, this guy might actually just like punch me in the face. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then the guy went back to plating his food. <laughs> and everybody in the kitchen was like... This is, this is another crazy thing. These abusive people uh, at the end of the day are fucking cowards. If you mm -hmm. confront them, they, they don't take it, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's the worst thing. They, they wouldn't take what they're doing That, that's the other the, the other psychologically fucked up thing that they have. I also remember you told me once that, that this guy Klaus would say like, you can sue me if you want. I go there all the time. I know the, the judge and the trial people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did say that to me a few times. Um, he, but the, that is the thing, is the glorification of, of his behavior. And everybody was supporting it, you know, like the chefs were supporting it. The hotel management was supporting it. It was like a, a caricature. It was sort of like, oh, we have this Michelin star chef and he's a little bit eccentric. But eccentric doesn't mean um, or shouldn't mean Violent abusive. Violent and, and abusive. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, um, harassing and those sorts of things. Yeah, he said that a few times to me. He was like... I, I don't even remember what the situation was. I wanted like some days off. I wanted to take some vacation. And he was like, he called me to his office and he was sort of like, you're not going to get it. And I was like, okay, all right. But that sucks, I guess. But you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't the sort of person to argue. Like I just kind of shut my mouth and just like went with it. And he was like, yeah, well, if you want, you know, if you think that this isn't right, then, you know, go sue me, go like drag me in front of the court. I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it when you guys, and I don't even care if I lose. I just, you know, like I, I just, I just like saying what I want. And um, yeah, he was. Uh, and I also remember a super <laughs> bizarre story where this guy was telling you, yeah, and I love to get like a head wash massage while, oh, yeah. while I'm in a, a blonde oh, above something like that. He, yeah, he would come up with the most bizarre shit, like, because, you know, you're used to him, like, abusing you so much that, like, then, and, and you don't expect him to come in because he, he would just come in by surprise. He would be there, like, once a week at the most, right? So he would come in and suddenly be next to you and everybody would be on their tiptoes. And then you'd be doing something 
And uh, as was I, I was kind of like prepping something and it's like, oh, uh, Klaus is here. Oh, Klaus is here. Okay. And then he would come up to me and he was like, hi, how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, good chef, yeah. And he'd be like, yeah, what, what are you doing this weekend? Well, he'd like talk to you about football first. He'd be like, oh, uh, Bayern Munich, uh, win. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't watch the game. Yeah, okay. Hey, you doing anything this weekend? No, I don't know. And he was like, you know, the best thing after a hard <laughs> week of work is laying down in a dark room with a packet of ice on your stomach while a woman is shampooing your hair. And then he just walked off. And I was like, that is the most creepy, bizarre shit that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Why did you feel like you had to share this with me? Um, yeah, just like that. <laughs> just like that. So my my first kitchen experience, I also will, will for disclosure, change names and, and things. So it was in a French restaurant in, in Caracas. It was my first job. The rhythm in this kitchen was insanely fast. Uh, some days we would serve 500 covers. It was a beautiful building. And the the kitchen was one of them like a pirate ship, you know? These guys were badasses, a lot of aggressive attitude, a lot of shit talking. And of course, the sous chef was a super aggressive guy that, that would like have everybody on their tiptoes as well. What I learned the most in this place was how to work without resources because there weren't resources sometimes. There is no strainer. Well, then you you take a tray with holes. There is no oil. Well, then you open like a can of piquillo peppers, stick your fish inside of it, and then you throw it to the pan. These kind of things that I thought were really creative. And people would do this just without thinking, you know? It was just like a reflex. One day, the sous chef was in the in the pastry uh, and and there was this important table. One of the waiters comes into the kitchen and says, do you have any cappuccino ice cream? And the pastry chef was like, no. And he was shitting on his pants because if the sous chef would come to his station, he would like open everything, do like an inspection of everything and, and find stuff, of course, and humiliate this guy publicly in front of everyone. He would do this a lot. Uh, but I mean, it was the only way to keep that kitchen. He was not as abusive and not, not a great example of, of abuse. But anyways, he would say, okay, bring me four espressos. He would take vanilla ice cream and a la minute just mix the, here's your espresso ice cream, you know, your cappuccino ice cream. And do these kinds of things like with a lot of stuff, making stuff out of nowhere, right? Actually, we ha we've had together some experiences where we have to do these kind of things. And I think that's something I learned there in that kitchen. But the story is not uh, about this kitchen. It's about this girl who would come to work there. And uh, yeah, let's call her Nadia. Let's call her just Nadia. <laughs> well, she would come to the kitchen because uh, there was also this catering service. And, and everybody would respect her like a fucking gangster. And I wouldn't understand why. And at some point I, I asked someone and they told me like, you don't know? who she is, what she did. <laughs> uh, like a year earlier in the same kitchen, she was like working there. And yeah, there, there was this other, like a chef de party who would harass her daily, like bully her daily and mess with her, apparently telling her 
uh, for being a lesbian. I don't know if she was or not, or bisexual or whatever, but he was like, ah, oh, you lesbian, and, and do sounds like this every time she, she stepped into the kitchen and called her names and do stuff and on and on and on and on, like for one year, every day. And one day in the middle of service, he grabs her ass. And just in a fraction of a second, she takes a paring knife and stabs the guy in middle of service, <laughs> you know? And then the guy falls to the ground. The knife didn't touch, by miracle, any organ. The guy is with, with his stomach bleeding. Uh, everybody's around. And then the sous chef is, okay, well, what is everybody looking here at? You clean the floor out of the ground. We're going with table four, three soups, two carpaccios, table six. We go with three menus. <laughs> Somebody call an ambulance. And the service went on. There, nobody called the police. <laughs> nobody. There was, you know, the next day the guy came, like, like you know, or like a week after. And after that, no, no one ever messed with her again. That's super crazy, man. That's that's really really crazy. Uh -huh.